Hello and welcome to the Vandaltron Curious World Podcast. Today is Monday, November 7th. This is episode 92. Yep, that's right. This is the final episode of... <laughs> it's the final one. No, it's the final episode before... That's right. Election Day, which is tomorrow. And depending on when you're listening to this, uh, maybe the world has already blown up and you're listening to this uh, in orbit uh, or outside the moon. Um, I won't get into politics. I'll just say I think maybe you agree with me that finally this is going to be all over. Or again, if you're listening to this in the future, maybe it's all over and uh, you're in a private bunker somewhere. Um, but the wind doesn't care. The leaves are still going to change because it's fall and, uh, you know, the sun's still going to do its thing and we still have a podcast to put out. Uh, today, uh, my guest is Sandra Ho, who, um, you know, very similar to me, uh, had a catharsis through, uh, taking care of herself physically and, you know, it just wasn't just physical fitness. It was just more wellness, you know, just the way you treat yourself and the way you look at the world, um, really, you can change that. You know, whatever, whenever you're in a, a, a sticky situation, you can, I think the natural default of just kind of living in our society, especially if you live in a busy city like New York, is to go into that place of what the fuck and flip out. I do it, but you can also replace that impulse with, hey, this will pass. And that's kind of what I, you know, that's the big theme that I took away from our conversation is just a reminder that whatever it is, whatever it is you're going through, uh, no matter how good it is, yeah, it probably isn't as good as you thought it was going to be or hoped it was going to be. But at the same time, maybe it wasn't as bad. And that's okay, too. Life is about overcoming personal obstacles and also dealing with some things that are good because you're worth it too. Um, God, that sounds really corny. Anyway, uh, health and wellness and overcoming personal obstacles. There's even a little thing about how to take care of rabbits. So without further delay, my great conversation. Oh, I should also mention that Sandra and I go way back. We're friends from uh, college. We did a radio show together. And on that radio show, uh, she would play all kinds of music, and I would just play the police. Uh, so without further delay, my uh, charming, empathic conversation with Sandra Ho. You're listening to Vandal Tron's Curious World Podcast. Check it out, baby. Rabbit, 
and we kind of kept them separate because neither of them were fixed so <laughs> we didn't want any more bunnies <laughs> and, and did you keep them out in like the living room like a like a like a cat or a dog or she was in my bedroom from what I remember she this was a while ago so she was in my bedroom she had a cage and but she also had sort of free rain to, to move around so it's not like she was locked up in the cage she had access to my entire bedroom at the time so and you said that she would gnaw on things yeah she she used to kind of scratch the way almost like dogs or cats do right. so they would she would scratch at the carpet and she ruined the carpet she'd make hole and holes in it and other times she would gnaw on wood so like if you had a bedpost or a table or something like that that she had access to she would chew on it uh and are they healthy like how often do you have to take them to the vet i think i took her i would say at least once a year just to get her annual checkup so yeah i would say they're, they're usually pretty healthy they do recommend vets recommend that they they get fixed um i did not unfortunately i didn't do that and i think that could have prevented some of the health issues she had later on hmm. yeah. what are some things that you would recommend if somebody wanted to get a rabbit what would i recommend well i think well one of the things that i noticed it was it was difficult for me to pick her up because she didn't i don't think she liked getting picked up and i didn't know how to properly pick her up without because I was always afraid I would hurt her, but she would always come up to me or she would sit on my lap. And a lot of times, like when I was sleeping, I would let her out, like she would be outside of her cage, so she would sleep on the bed with me. I think that they all have their own different personalities, just like any other animal. And she was, she was funny. I, I don't know, I just, there was something about her that she had this, I don't know if a little bit of an attitude and if I think she kind of sensed people who didn't like animals I was gonna say was she social she was somewhat social but it's almost like she knew people who were just either didn't like them or were afraid of animals because she she didn't do it to me but she apparently she did this to my brother-in-law she hissed at him like more than one occasion what does that sound like it's kind of like <laughs> it's very low and unless you you're paying attention you might not even catch it so yeah i would imagine if uh if a cat if a, if you know if like my cat doesn't want to be picked up and she never does mm -hmm. there are ways that i can kind of maneuver and i'll just you know i'll do it right but i would imagine like a rabbit a rabbit doesn't want to get picked up she, she can avoid you, right? She's yes. pretty agile. Yeah, they're pretty agile. They'll run. She's She was very fast. She was one of these... Uh, kind of like go in, in, in laps. Like run in circles in the room. Just very, really, really fast. I don't know if that was her way to get exercise. But she would do that a lot. And it is something to be, I guess, careful with trying to pick up an, uh, a rabbit because they don't have that spine. So it, it can hurt them if you don't know how to pick them up. How, so what is the proper way? By the ears? Or? Uh, behind their neck 
and then underneath their legs. So you're supposed oh. to kind of scoop them up from underneath, give them support so that they don't feel like they're, they're going to fall. And I think that's why. And then pull them behind the neck, I think, is the right way. Um, otherwise, they can kind of, you know, start, I don't know what the word is, like, you know. Being move, uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable, right. and then they can kind of, you know, just try to get out of that hold, and that, can, that could be how they hurt themselves. So. Did your rabbit ever bite you or kick you with the <laughs> rabbit legs? She, she only bit me once, and she nipped me only because I think she thought that I was holding a carrot or something. I put my finger too close in front of her, and so she went after it thinking it was like food. But that was the only one time, and that was in the beginning. So, so would you, you would feed them rab- ca- uh, yes. carrots, or is there, can you get rabbit food? I yes, there are rabbit pellets, and there's hay. So there's like Timothy hay, and then there's another alfalfa hay. Alfalfa is okay, I think, within their first year. That makes them grow. And then, um, yeah, the pellets are just, you know, just like, I guess, dog food or cat food. They have food specific, too, for rabbits. But then I also fed her a lot of vegetables. So carrots and leafy greens, that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like what everybody should be eating. (laughs) Exactly. So speaking of which, I so I saw I noticed on, um, that you were posting some photos of like of like working out. Yeah. And and so is this like a is this like a new thing? Have you always been healthy? Uh, I don't know that I've always been healthy. I think the past few years. Well, all right. So I had moved down to Georgia back in around two thousand six, and that was a bit of a change because. Living down in Georgia, you pretty much have to drive everywhere. And so, because I was doing that, I ended up gaining a lot of weight. And it really took me several years before I, you know, wanted to get back into shape and try to lose weight and, you know, join the gym and all that sort of thing. But this the stigma of Georgia kind of like, I'm picturing like everything is like deep fried and people are <laughs> drinking like Mountain Dew all day. There is that. There is that. I don't think everyone does that, but yeah, you you definitely have, I guess, an unhealthy population, and there is definitely the you know the southern comfort food and the fried and I mean I still eat fried food every once in a while, but yeah, I guess I guess to an extent, yeah, there is there is that. Um, I would say in the last two years, I've made exercise something more of a lifestyle, I guess. Um, I actually do enjoy it. I think in the beginning, before I, I, I was actually doing a, a trial with one of the local gyms down there, and I was invited by a coworker at the time, went to a boot camp, and it really kicked my butt. Well, that's why, they that's why it's called boot camp, but because I think I wasn't really at the time working out, I hadn't been working up to that level, it actually made me sick. <laughs> so I was sick for like, I don't remember how long, maybe a couple of weeks after that, And but I still joined, I still joined a gym after that, and then I f- sort of found my own routine within that, and I started going to group fitness classes, which I personally prefer, I think, when it comes to working out, there's something about being in classes where you have a good instructor and you have a good group of people and it's fun. I don't know if it's something about just because you're not really doing it by yourself. Um, and even though you might not know people in the class, there's, there's something about it that I enjoyed. So I found 
classes and I found an instructor that I really liked going to and I was doing that for the past couple of years and it started out with a hip-hop class which is I wouldn't say it's true hip-hop it's um, it's not Zumba either but it, it's dance and it's dance music um, and it's cardio and it was fun and I just decided to go one day and from that moment on I got hooked how long were the classes about an hour each yeah, once a week, and then um, took me a while, but then I started going to more of this particular instructor's classes and, you know, doing, like, step and kickboxing. What's the ratio of uh, men to women? More women, and depending on the type of class, it can be anywhere from, like, 75% plus more women. Yeah, why is that? I mean, I kind of I kind of have my own theories. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, especially like with the Zumba class, I think you're definitely going to get, maybe you'll be lucky to get one guy in the class. I, I'm not sure if it's a, there's a stigma about it or there's a preferred way that men like to work out. I mean, I've actually, I take yoga too. I was taking yoga in, these, in, in that gym and I would see more men doing yoga. Than, mm, interesting. With the, uh, the vinyasa or the hot? More, I guess, vinyasa, yeah, yeah, and that's not to say like the hip hop class. There were there were there were guys in that class, and then the kickboxing class. There were guys in that class as well, but um, it was still majority were women. I think it's uh, it comes down to just the the basic guys are so afraid of looking mm-hmm. stupid, that especially in a yeah. physical way. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, there's something about being coordinated, and if yeah. they don't feel like and also yeah. being in a room predominantly women who are better mm-hmm. at this thing than, than you not. Mm-hmm. So uh, for about over, maybe over a year, I, I got, I've got i been doing yoga mm-hmm. uh, and I've gotten like really into it. Yeah. I just did like my 30 day uh, hot yoga challenge. Um, so I try to go every day mm-hmm. I and mean, that's how much I, I really love it. But the beginning, I, 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 you know, and I had this, this inkling about it, right? I hear you can read about athletes who, who do it and mm-hmm. they really helps them in their sport and and you hear about all the benefits of yoga right. and so I've always, I've always I've always been curious about it but then I just figured like going to a yoga class which to me was just like uh, it's just out of the question mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be like I had all this, this these stupid like ideas that people were just gonna turn and look at me and mm-hmm. like laugh at me mm-hmm. and then so uh, my girlfriend know why well, I asked her I said hey you think I could just go on YouTube and look at some of these poses and I mm-hmm. could just do them in the apartment right yeah and she said mm-hmm. no like you want to go to the class mm-hmm. you need to go to the class you can do all this stuff at home but you're never gonna get over this obstacle mm-hmm. of you wanting to go to the class so you need to go yeah so I'm so one Saturday I went with her and it was a vinyasa and I thought it was I thought it was it was really crowded but I thought it was that was fine mm-hmm. I thought like okay I can come back and then I was going to come back to another vinyasa class. And then I think I got the, the times wrong or something when I was at the front desk. Mm-hmm. So there's a room to the right, and that's the vinyasa. And then there's another room. And I said, what's, so what's going on in there? And so the person at the front desk was like, well, that's, that's our hot room. It's you know hot yoga. It's 90 minutes. You're going to feel it's going to be really intense. You can't leave the room. Uh, for the first time, you're going to feel like you want to die. Yeah. Uh, 
She says, is that something you'd be interested in doing? I'm like, uh, sure, okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, anyway, so fast I've forward. Tried, I've never tried So fast forward, I, it's, it's, I can't, ex- like, if people aren't into it, they're not into it, right? It could, you could say that about food or mm-hmm. certain types of music. But the, uh, the great thing about it is you, you can kind of come in and, I mean, I, I would imagine the same thing about vinyasa. Because mm-hmm. I've taken vinyasa in other places. Um, you can kind of, I kind of weave in and out. Mm-hmm. Especially if you know the poses. Like in, 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 in hot yoga, in Bikram, there's like 26 poses. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of more or less the same. So you can kind of weave in and out, depending on if you know the instructor. So that's what I kind of do, depending on my day or how I'm feeling. I can kind of okay, I'm not in the room and I'm in like a, a like a snowy mountain for now, <laughs> and I come back in. But it's not, uh, you know, it's not like CrossFit mm-hmm. where you're, you know, you're busting up your shins and it's like a competition. It's just for you, yeah. and you know, and that's kind of like the trick that I had to learn is. Not to compare yourself to the person next to you right. or how you did yesterday. Right. Just, you know, be right here. Yeah. And and I learned so many things about it. And that's what made me kept coming back of, you know, I'm in this hot room and it's exhausting. I can't even breathe because mm-hmm. it's like so humid. But I chose to be here. Yeah. I chose this situation. And this situation is be forever mm-hmm. and when it's done I'll feel pretty good yeah so those things like that's what I learned of like and that's why I've always you know it keeps me coming back and I apply that to you know my life in general of like I'll get through this it's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal right that one of the mantras that one of the instructors that I was taking would say is that this too shall pass right so whatever discomfort or even potentially pain or whatever it is that you're you're feeling whether it's yoga or in any life situation, eventually it's going to pass. It's not going to be. It's not the. It's not permanent, right? Something else that they. I guess that I learned, which didn't think of at the time until the instructor said, was yoga. There are so many benefits of yoga, right? Um, and but one of the things that she had said was teaches you patience. And I didn't really think of that at the time, but I know a lot of people who don't like yoga or don't want to practice or continue in, in doing yoga is because they don't have the patience. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the, the people who need it. <laughs> right, right. So I thought that was an interesting thing, but it, I guess it does teach you patience. And I mean, there's a mindfulness about it. There's a grounding about it. There's, you know, um, just with breath and balance and flexibility and toning and so many other aspects of what yoga can bring to anybody is I guess for me I mean I, I've gotten all of that right. um, and also too like having done it I'm sure you know like there's this myth of like oh I'm, I'm not very flexible mm-hmm. well right. I, I don't know if I, I would imagine I'm more flexible now than when I started right. but it's really about strength mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. uh, you know you know, doing camel or, you know, warrior one, mm-hmm. those things are like more strength. Right. It's not, I mean, there are balancing poses, but, mm-hmm. or flexibility poses, but it's, it, it's, it's not really about that. It's mm-hmm. not about like either you're flexible or you're not. Right. And, and again, I, one thing that I had to learn is 
Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's not a competition. Right, exactly. It doesn't matter if you're exactly. the worst person in the right. world. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, in class, I don't think anyone else is looking at anybody else. Right. You well, know? it's funny. I, so I brought a friend, and he, he had never done it before. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do it. It was his idea. And he was like, um, he's like yeah, I was looking around because I, I, you know, I wanted to keep up with the class. But I, you know, I hope none of the girls thought I was like a pervert. Like, they don't care. Like, I'm sure they didn't think that. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> like, get out of your head. It's right, like right. Exactly. It's true. Get out of your head. And it's also a mental thing, too. Something that I found that when I discovered hiking. And it's not something that I just picked up this year. Because I've done a couple of hikes. I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago and I visited Tracy. You, you remember Tracy? And uh, last year... I went on a hike with a group of people in Tennessee, but for whatever reason, I think it was, uh, I was going through something during that time, and it was around February, March, where I, I just, I went on meetup and found a couple of meetups where the activities were hiking, and so I, I did that because I was thinking that might be an easier way to meet new people, is to do an activity as opposed to me going to a bar or a restaurant and trying to do some small talk because I felt like okay you're doing an activity you're being outside you're enjoying nature right you don't have to talk to anybody right so I started there but then I I discovered the Atlanta Outdoor Club down in Georgia and really organized group they have something going on almost every day and when I became a member it's it's free to join basically you know I would get notifications on hikes and I was discovering places that were like in my backyard and had no idea until I started hiking with these people. And it was just basically, you know, state parks and it was by the Chattahoochee River and, but beautiful, just beautiful scenery and really great people. And there was something about hiking, especially in the beginning, first couple of months that I was doing it because I was sort of building up. They, they have them in different levels. So D1 is easy. You know, it'll be maybe within three miles. You're doing a, a hike within an hour. Is it flat or? Usually D1s are on the flatter side. The elevation, yeah, the, it's not very high in elevation. And it's a paved path or dirt? Or? It could be both. It could be either. And then, you know, I was working my way up. I, the, the highest that I did, I only did one D4, which was, uh, at the time, was Kennesaw Mountain. And, you know, we went up twice. It's There's a big, it's, it's called Big Kennesaw, Little Kennesaw. So... The big Kennesaw is maybe a mile going, and it's just, you're just going up elevation, elevation up a mountain. Little Kennesaw is a little bit longer, and it's still bumpy, it's rocky and everything else, but we did the big twice, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> so it's vertical, right? You're, it is. you're basically rock climbing. Right? Um, and not quite rock climbing, but it's going up. You're, you're consist- consistently going up. I mean, are you putting, like, your fingers in grooves to get your balance? Mm, not quite. Once in a while, but not not for the most part. No, it's you're you're still. Walking. Have you been any hikes here? Just not no, not yet. So I'm going to be looking to do that, hopefully fairly soon. I've been to uh, what well, Bear Mountain. Yeah. They've got like oh yeah, that's more like rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Breakknit Break Ridge. Okay. That's more like a it's a ridge. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty tricky. Like you. So you, you know, you, you're staring up this thing that mm-hmm. basically looks like a mountain and you climb up yeah. and then there's another one <laughs> because you don't see it from the other perspective, right. be, but it's like, be, 
it's going up and down. Mm-hmm. That's what it, I mean, that's a ridge. It gets yeah. up and down, up and down. And then um, where that is, you can you can veer off mm-hmm. and then go to this little town. It's, uh, I think it's Cold Spring. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> they sell antiques. It's like one of those towns. Uh-huh. And then you can, you know, um, yeah, it's quaint. It's like you can make yeah. a day out of it. And uh, I've been there a few times in uh, Bear Mountain. Um, and there's another... Uh, another one that I went to that wasn't that wasn't as great, but it was more flat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoy it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think one of the things that I found with hiking, it's not just physical. It's actually sometimes more mental than it is physical. At least it was for me, especially when I was doing the harder hikes or in the beginning where I wasn't you know, my body wasn't quite used to it and I didn't know what to expect and first time doing a hike in a new area, you just don't know what what to expect. And there, I remember one of the first ones that I did, it's an area called, it's called East Palisades and there were three parts of it where, you know, you're going up and there's one what they call BAH, they nicknamed it the Big Ass Hill. <laughs> and I remember the first time I ever did that hike, well, I did it once, but not that route. Um, the second time I went to East Palisades, but did the route with, with this club, was very challenging, and it felt very long. And the, second, the next time I did it, it was much easier. Still hard, but it was easier, and it wasn't as long. So it's what your mind kind of, I guess the perspective and the perception of something, but doing something for the first time and going through something challenging and it's, um, the mental aspect of it for me is saying you know I can do this and I can get through this and it just makes me feel stronger because of it not just a physical strength but an internal mental strength and so that's what hiking has done for me and to an extent yoga too is why I say there's a lot of things that I do that are help me mentally I think um, all, all of it's grounding but it's also something that helps me with my mind and just kind of allowing me to know that, okay, I have this strength that maybe I didn't realize that I had before. And so it's kind of like, you know, getting through it and saying, okay, I did it. You know, I mean, you feel accomplished because you did it. And that's how I feel. Right. And yeah, and that's great. And I, I feel those things too. And, um, but what is the tricky thing that I, <laughs> that I have to remind myself is, you have to do it all. You have to constantly yeah. do it. Yes. You don't just like... Right, just the one time. Yeah, you don't like <laughs> literally climb the mountain and then you have this thing for the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. Like you're, you know, feeling frustrated mm-hmm. at like the bank and like your brain just goes back mm-hmm. to the mountain. No, you have to deal with that situation. Right. So it's like every day is mm-hmm. different and every day you have to work on yourself. Right. And that, that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but that's just reality. Right. That right. we have... So we have to present ourselves with, you know, literal mountains to mm-hmm. climb or yeah. things that... We're uncomfortable that yeah. we have to deal with every day. Definitely. And I think the good thing, though, about, you know, when you can get through one scenario is knowing that, okay, I've done this, so I can get through that next, whatever that obstacle is, whatever the mountain, hill, whatever it is that, you know, life is putting in front of you and, you know, that you have to... Talking about obstacles, what was interesting is uh, somebody, somebody that I know had mentioned to me you know, we go through obstacles sometimes thinking we're supposed to overcome them. And sometimes they're just redirecting you. Like maybe they're meant to redirect you. You know, you, you think that, oh, 
you know, this is happening, and I can't, I'm not, I'm not able to get over it, or, or whatever, whatever that case is, but maybe you're not supposed to necessarily get over that particular thing, it's just kind of directing you to do something else, or to go somewhere else, and I kind of feel that's what happened to me, um, with me coming back to New York. There was a lot of things happening with me just on a personal level in the past couple of years where um, I, I was laid off from my job. This happened last November. And um, I was able to get contract work with the same job that let me, let me go, ironically. Um, but then that ended in June. So I hadn't been employed since then. And then my mom had gotten sick. And I wasn't able to find a new job. Like I, it wasn't because I wasn't looking. It just whatever was happening, I wasn't able to get something down in Georgia. And um, so it was almost like these things were kind of redirecting me, in my opinion, to come back to New York. And I had made the decision because my mom was sick and she was battling cancer. She'd been, she's had had a, can, um, a, a history of cancer for many years. And um, this last bout was. Um, you know, she had bone cancer and it had spread uh, just in the past year, you know, like they found like additional in her, in her lung and then the last, the last um, progression was in her liver and she was getting treated um, for the liver cancer and she was getting chemo. So there, there was that aspect of, okay, my mom, she's not getting any younger. I know her health hasn't been great. I'm not working. Nothing's really holding me down in Georgia, outside of my friends and, you know, that, that. But I made the decision to come back to New York really based, because, based on uh, my mom. And so I ended up coming back, or at least just to visit, because I, I went to a wedding back in August. And it just happened to be that same week that my friend was getting married that my mom was in the hospital. And... She had just gotten, she was in there, let's say it was a Monday. I was coming into town on Thursday and the, fr the wedding was on Friday. So, but at that point I had already told my mom, you know, I'm planning on coming back, you know, just to help her out and, you know, I could take her to appointments and I could spend more time with her. Cause in my head, I was thinking, I don't know how much more time I have with her. You know, she's not, like I said, she's not getting younger. Um, so I ended up doing that. But then while I was up in town, I was in New York at the time for, for the wedding. Um, like I said, she was in the hospital. And I saw her the day that I came into town. And she, I wanna say she was okay, like in terms of like she was, she was cognizant, she was in pain, she was in a lot of pain. But she was, she was there, you know, she was herself. And then like over the course of the next four days, like her, her health declined so quickly. It, it, it was, it was odd because I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expect, you know, we were talking with the, with the doctors and the nurses and talking about, you know, she's gonna get released into a facility for rehabilitation so she could get to back to walking because like, she was in the hospital because she couldn't walk. Um, apparently she had gotten nerve damage and um, that was a result of the chemo. And, you know, the next, you know, from Thursday to Friday to Saturday, Sunday, whatever, it was the pain they were trying to manage her pain with like just drugs, and then the drugs made her sleepy, so she was out most of the time. And then 
Um, during that time, she ended up, she wasn't eating. She was having difficulty swallowing. She was having difficulty breathing, so they, she had an oxygen mask on, and then she developed pneumonia, and I think it was actually the pneumonia that ended up um, like just really compromising her. I mean, her, her immune system was already compromised, but that was, you know, like trying to get back from an infection and all this other stuff. Her, her body just couldn't take it, you know, and she ended up passing, you know, and it was during a time that I wasn't even supposed to be there. Like, I wouldn't have been there had it not been for the wedding. For the wedding. And, you know, like, I, I feel bad that I wasn't there for, you know, to just spend more time with her. But at the same time, I feel blessed that I was there to see her before she passed, you know. Because outside of that, I, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have been up here. For, you know, there wouldn't have been a reason for me to be up here. And I don't know that. So like, that, that was a, that, that accelerated quickly. So that was like a, that was like a week? Within a week, she, yeah. So she was in the hospital on Monday. She passed on the following Monday. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that the wedding was Saturday? Friday. So I got there Thursday, went to the wedding on Friday, and then, yeah, on, on Sunday, uh, we, we went to visit her in the hospital, my, me and my sister, and actually, um, you know, her family as well. But my mom was pretty much, she was out, like, sleeping. and She was never really conscious. She never really moved that last day. And, um, yeah, but it, I guess it, for me it was a good thing that I was able to see her when I got into town because there was something about seeing the progression. You know, it was difficult, but it's something I think I needed to see, partly to let, be able to let go because, you know, you have these expectations, you have this, um, whether it's a hope, you know, and I'm praying and I'm like, I don't know if I should be praying for a miracle or if I should be praying to that she's not in pain anymore, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you, there's a, you know, like this, I just didn't know. I didn't know what to ask for. And at that point, when, you know, that Sunday, it was about me letting go of what I wanted, you know, because, yeah, I want my mom to be around, but at the same time, I don't want her to be in pain, and I don't want her to, you know, like the, the doctors and the nurses have talked to us about what is it you, that you want? Which, you know, is it for your mom to be comfortable, or do you want to treat this aggressively? And my mom didn't want it to. You know, she didn't want to be. Um, I guess, like we had talked about that before, and she had a living will and everything else, and she didn't want to be, you know, put in a position where she's just being, she's being kept around, but she's not going to have that quality of life, right? So we had to keep that in mind and. You know, so just in terms of going through that process in, in a fairly short amount of time, you know, it's it's definitely difficult. I mean, I don't know how do you really <coughs> get, not even get through it. It's just, you know, I, I don't even know. I'm not sure how I got through it, to be honest with you. I mean, outside of my family, my friends, and having that support system. and um, But there was also a part of me, which this may sound... I don't know. I don't know where it's coming from, but like I wanted, like I almost wished that I had that, like a partner, you know, like that that person who could be like that strength that I didn't feel I had at the time. And like I, I mentioned, and I, I've said this to a couple of people, where I I wanted like somebody to be my rock and just be able to tell me it's going to be okay, you know, what I mean? and mean it. 
and kind of let me be able to break down and just, you know, let go and, and, and you know, be emotional if I needed to be emotional. But I felt like to, to some extent I needed to kind of keep it together and, and just be strong. And, you know, um, that's not to say I didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely had my moments and I was definitely emotional and everything else. What was also interesting is um, a friend of mine who, you know, she she would pray for me, and she she's one of these people that actually she sends me scripture every day. And even though I'm not the, I'm not religious, I, I will tell you I'm not I don't consider myself religious, but I do feel that I'm a spiritual person and I do believe. So she had sent me scripture about maybe within a week of me just saying to myself that I wish I had that rock. And she sent me a scripture that basically said that God is your rock. So that, to me, was okay. That's a sign, right? It's something I needed to hear. And what was interesting... Were, were you able to take that in, or were you kind of in a place where, like, I, I do not want to... Like, no, this? I was able to take it in. Like, luckily, like, I feel fortunate that I haven't been... Um, uh, what's the word? Where I just want to say... Yeah, F it, I don't care. Like, I don't want to hear it. You know, I, I feel like I've been fortunate enough to, f to be open to hearing things, hopefully, you know, that maybe are meant for me to hear. And looking back, and this is only, it's not even been two months since all this happened, but to say to myself, okay, yeah, I was in a dark period. And not just that moment, but like, you know, the past couple of years, I've been, I've had moments where it's just, it's been hard. But to be able to get past it and then say, wow, I, this is something else that I've been able to, that I'm okay, you know, I, I am by myself and I'm okay, you know, and at the time, sometimes it's hard to, to really not just accept it, it's kind of like, okay, you know this is what you're going through, but, and you kind of just have to, you have to allow it to to kind of course through and and but at, at some point it will pass as long as you're not like holding on to like that negative feeling or the whatever the dark moment is like I, that's something that you know we all we all go through but I guess it's how we react and how we allow ourselves and how long do we hold on to it that kind of dictates well what do we do next um, how do you avoid going to you know negative places to dark places uh i think overall i want to say that i have a positive outlook on things i like to think whether it's realistic or not that things are going to work out and in in my experience they have they don't always work out the way you thought <laughs> oh there's, that, there's always a snag <laughs> or the way you wanted it to and maybe at the time you wanted something and then looking back you're like you know what I'm glad it didn't happen that way because it probably wouldn't have been a good thing um, but I think partly is is that positive outlook it's it's the for me wanting to believe in, and actually believing that there is you know that too shall pass and you know, not to be cliche, it's not really what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but it, I, I mean, I think it has to do with the outlook, with anyone's outlook. You know, we have control 
over how we react to something. We may not have control over what happens in our life, but you know, what's the point of being angry <laughs> all the time? You know, it's, I mean, unless, you know, there, the things with like fear and anger and unless it's gonna do something that you can actually, you know, make, um, you know, it can be positive from, where it's gonna motivate you to do something positive with your life, which usually it does not. <laughs> Right. You know, um, most people when they get depressed, they pick up really bad habits. Right. Exactly. You're going to pick up a bad habit. Um, if it's anger related, you're going to do something. Probably you're going to regret later. You're going to say something or do something that is probably not going to be beneficial to you. And when it's fear based, a lot of the times we just avoid doing it. If it's fear based, you know, fear doesn't have fear doesn't have to be a bad thing if you can take the fear and use it to motivate you to do something. But a lot of times we don't, we don't really do that, right? We kind of run away from what scares us. Um, what I like, I don't know if I like to do it, but what I try to do is to challenge those fears and, because I don't want to be afraid. <laughs> like, I don't really think like, people want to be afraid, like, you know? Are we talking like, like, like parachuting and hang gliding? I would actually like to do those things. I would like to go skydiving. I've always wanted to do that. And I don't know when that's going to happen, but I actually would like to do things like that. And I would like to be more adventurous in terms of that. But there are so many different types of fears that I guess it all depends on what we're talking about. Um, you know, there's the fear of one of the things I used to be scared of until I did it was traveling by myself on vacation. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Like, Where'd you go? The first time I went to Savannah by myself, and it was only like a four, four hour drive, but it was the first time that I went by myself, and I stayed, you know, a couple of di couple of nights somewhere in a place I had never been to, and it was because really my cousin had suggested that I travel on my own. Um, she said it would be empowering. And it was interesting because I always had that fear of, for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, but traveling by myself. And I mean, people don't like doing things by themselves, whether it's going out to dinner by themselves or whatever. I can go to dinner by myself. I can go eat by myself. I can go to the movies by I can do a lot of things by myself. But for whatever reason, traveling, unless it was for business or, you know, or I'm going somewhere where I know somebody. Um, but I did that. And then just a few weeks ago, I went to Asheville. So I drove there before I came before coming back up to New York. I went to Asheville by myself and stayed there for two nights and it was just a matter of, you know, like the good thing about it is you're you're by yourself so you can do whatever you want. I mean, to. did you have an itinerary? Like, I'm gonna check out these things or, I'm, or did you just kind of like? For Savannah, I kind of did. I did a little bit of research. I decided, okay, I'm gonna do this and you know, like I think I did one of those hop on, hop off trolley tours, you know, so I could get a feel for the city and then I could determine, okay, I might wanna come back here later on and then I think I went to a show by myself. I, I checked out a few restaurants and there was one place where they were playing live music. So I wanted to do things that I thought were, would be fun for me, uh, but not completely uncomfortable doing by myself. So what was that like though? I mean, were you, at what, were you always self-conscious or was there a point where you were able to kind of relax and not even be aware of that? I think for that trip, I think I was okay. Like, I don't think I was, well, okay, there might have been one time that I was self-conscious when I went, to a, uh, I went to a show that was at their local theater and it was like a musical. 
everybody there was with, with, was with someone. So they were either with family or they were on a date. You know, so I'm here, I'm sitting by myself <laughs> in the middle of everybody else who they're with somebody. So that kind of made me feel like, okay, is, are people looking at me? Are they wondering why I'm here by myself? But, you know, you get over it. And I mean, I enjoyed the show and, you know, you just have to, I think for me, it's more about getting out of my head what other people think, because that's, that to me can be very that can be paralyzing. And I've had that issue before where I think I care too much about what people think. I've gotten so much better, and I've gotten so much better in terms of like what I don't worry as much about a lot of things, which I don't know why I did at the time. And now that I don't, I don't know what's really changed, what changed it in my mindset, what shifted in me, because I don't care as much. I still, I can't say I don't care at all, but I definitely don't care as much as It's not a I priority. Did. It's not a priority, yeah. yeah. And yeah, I, I think I, I think that's with with anything that I do right. by myself. So I, I wasn't as brave as you, but mm-hmm. I went to I went to Puerto Rico by myself, oh. and then you know I and then I saw like the I stayed at like a, like a Holiday Inn or something, okay. and at the front desk they said there was going to be a free tour of like some ship or something uh-huh. in San Juan. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, like Viejo San Juan. I was like, great. It's free. Yeah. Like, uh, so I show up and it's all couples. And it's me. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, shit. And so then, like, I'm thinking, like, you know what? Like, I, I can't even, like, I can't even, like, leave. Because right. then I'll just, like, it'll be more of a spectacle if I mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. So I actually got on the bus. Yeah. And, like, people were friendly enough. And I didn't want, I was so self-conscious, I didn't want to be a weirdo. Mm-hmm. So I started being overly friendly. <laughs> and so then people were like, uh, I was like, oh, was your, did your wife get sick or something? Oh. <laughs> I was just like, so do I lie? Right. And like keep this going just mm-hmm. for their sake? Because right. I don't, it wasn't so much that I wanted, that I was going to be embarrassed for me. Yeah. That I didn't want them to, to be, be uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And <laughs> for me to say like, no, it's fine. Right. Where right. I think that would only make it worse. Worse, yeah. Anyway, I couldn't. I was so much in my head mm-hmm. that when we got off, got off the bus in Viejo, and the first chance I got, I went to the bathroom and just like said, "Forget it," and I just kind of walked around. But the whole time, but I wanted to check out like what it was that they were doing. Right. But I kind of walked around the area on my own, mm-hmm. and I kind of went the opposite way. Yeah. But I was so fearful that I would run into them. So anytime I saw like a group, I'd like, yeah, you go like, the yeah, opposite I like, like jump behind it. Minor radio edit here, uh, just a glitch. I just basically just cut out some of my laughing. All right, back to the show. Has that affected your friendships? I think it has. I There was a period of time in my life where I f- feel, you know, looking back that I was very closed off and I was very private. I mean, I think, you know, I'm careful about what I say to, to who I say it to, but I'm also more open as well and my interpersonal relationships I think have gotten better and I've shared more and I'm able to receive more because of that and interestingly enough I joined Toastmasters over a year ago when I was in Georgia really good group and to some extent I want to say it almost acted as therapy for me what is that? Toastmasters is it's an international organization, but it's basically to help people uh, 
who want to get better at public speaking, but also gain leadership skills. So, is that anything to do with toast? Bread toast? Yeah. No, more more like when you toast oh. at a at a wedding or something oh, like yeah. that. I guess that's I guess that's more <laughs> fancy. That you guys are just putting butter on toast. <laughs> well, the club that I belong to did have a snack master, so that could, you know, toast, I'm, I'm sure could a, be. I'm sure, that's a, a different snack. crowd. <laughs> a snack little bit different. I would be the snack master. <laughs> but the thing with well, with Toastmasters, because I I had heard about it before, um, and public speaking was never something I thought I would enjoy doing. But when I joined, I met a lot of people and I got comfortable I guess being able to share stories about myself because you start you there's basically there's a manual if you actually follow it um, you know you do 10 speeches within that first manual and it each speech builds on the one before it but the first one you give is called the icebreaker so you can pretty much talk about anything you want to about yourself and it's kind of you're breaking the ice and you're introducing Wait, on, yourself. on a one-on-one format or to a group? To a group. Okay. So, you know, you do the, your, your first speech is, you know, maybe five minutes. I forget how, how, how long it's supposed to be, but it's your shortest speech that you give in that first manual. And you decide what you want to tell people about yourself. It's an icebreaker, you said. It is an icebreaker. Okay. So what, what's your icebreaker? So my icebreaker, I think I talked about my dad. Um, he had passed away in 2005. And so I think I just talked about his influence in my life, and that was, I, I gave the speech over a year ago, so I can't quite recall what it was, but I, I do remember talking about him, and I think I talked about my job at the time, and, but I was, it was interesting, because even though I shared something personal, it was still kind of closed in terms of what I shared and what I, what I um, felt comfortable expressing. But over the course of the year, year and a half that I was with that group, I became more comfortable sharing things that people I worked with didn't know. So it was an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic because you're sharing something personal and yes, you get to know this club. So, you know, you, I used to feel more comfortable talking about things in front of people I didn't know because I was always thinking, I'm not going to see you people again. I don't care what you think about me. Nobody's going to boo me or heckle right, me. Right, right. And if I don't see you again, you know, it's fine. Um, yeah, so judge me or don't judge me. It doesn't matter. With the group, you see them pretty much. It was a weekly, you know, you met once a week, so you get to know them. And, but it's the it, same thing with work, though. It's like you, you see these people almost every day. You build some kind of relationship, even though it's a professional relationship. But it was an interesting for me, I guess, what I dis- what I felt comfortable sharing at work, and what I felt comfortable sharing at these club meetings. Where I think with the club meetings, I felt like it was safe because nobody was really, I want to say, judging you. I mean, I guess we all judge each other, but you know, you're getting positive feedback. You'll get some constructive criticism to become. It's a the environment speaker. that supports. That. Exactly, it's the environment, and it's a safe environment, and. You know, so you feel safe sharing things. And like I said, I would share things in my speeches on a personal nature and on a personal level. You know, I'm talking about anything from like dating, 
you know, in relationships, like romantic relationships, like that, which I wouldn't tell like a coworker, you know what I mean? That was just, right. who wasn't necessarily a friend. Maybe we just, we worked together and we got along, but it wasn't something I would, you know what I mean? What about if it was a friend at work? If it was a friend at work, they probably knew. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just didn't know, like, yeah. some people like that, that's even off limits. Right. And, and that's the thing, like, I think within the past few years, something shifted with me in terms of what I felt comfortable sharing. So... Yeah, my friends, I think my friends probably have a better, the better version of me, I want to say, because I, I'm willing, I'm more willing to share now than I was, you know, uh, maybe a few years ago. And just, you know, last one or two years, I feel like I've, you know, I continue to, I don't know how much I've changed. I've changed, but I don't know, like, really even in the last year how much I've changed. Um, I mean, I've been told that I've, I guess I'm more sociable. I don't think I was before. I was, I mean, I, I consider myself, I grew up um, and related to the introvert, you know, so I always felt like I was very quiet and, and I was shy. And even though quiet and shy are not the same thing, but I definitely was that person, you know, um, in the beginning. Whereas now I feel more comfortable. Like I, you know, I used to, like I don't like networking. I never really liked networking or being in situations where, okay, you gotta meet new people and talk and small talk and this and everything. But I feel more comfortable doing that now. And whereas before I would avoid it at all costs. Like if it was a party or if it was some kind of event where, okay, I felt like I was gonna be uncomfortable walking into a group. Of what about parties in general? Like, uh, you know, the thing that used to, I used to be a real dickhead about this. Like mm -hmm. somebody that I was dating, meeting their friends. Mm -hmm. I used to like, yeah, I would just be like, you know, in the corner mm -hmm. or not really, just maybe talking like two or three people yeah. at best. Yeah. And then I just, I don't know, like, I mean, obviously looking back, mm -hmm. I, there were the, the hangups were mainly my own. Yeah. Um, I mean, how are you now with, with you know, that, in those kind of situations? In that sort of situation, I think I've gotten better too. I think I'm actually open to meeting, you know, if I'm dating somebody, I would like to meet your friends, you know? I would like to kind of see that aspect of you and see how, if you change or not, you know? Are you acting the same around me as you do around your friends? Are you treating me the same way you treat your friends, you know? Um, I, I like to see that aspect. And I think I've gotten better in terms of that too, where, you know, um, I think one of the things with like just meeting anybody is being able to connect on some level. And I think that's why, you know, like before I didn't really like small talk because I feel like you're not really getting anything out of that um, and you're not really getting to know somebody. But at the same time, I was very, like I said, closed off to letting people know, you know, a lot more personal things about myself. So a lot of times I didn't want to know about you because I don't want you asking about me. <laughs> you know? um, whereas now it's like if we click, if I click with somebody, if we get along, if we start up a conversation where there's something that's meaningful or interesting about it, that interests me. You know, um, I think I'm more open to meeting new people and small talk is not as bad, or like it's not as uncomfortable. For whatever reason, like small talk would be uncomfortable for me. Just, I don't know why. Would you be open to having a conversation mm -hmm. with a stranger at a public place, for instance? Not necessarily, no, I'm not saying mm -hmm. that you need to be like yeah. the, the super extrovert. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, um, 
Okay, like say for instance, like you you did a like you did a class with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And like you were next to them, mm-hmm. and there's I've seen nothing. You know, it's not like somebody, uh, you know, like somebody streaked and like, oh my god, right. you know, that that's kind of a gimme. But you felt good about the class, mm-hmm. and the person next to you had like nice energy. Right. Is that would that be a platform that you would say hi? I think yes, something like that would be more more likely to happen than me just going and being in a public place like a bar or something where I'm sitting next to somebody who's also by themselves and me striking up a conversation like I feel like I have tried to do that and more so to challenge myself because like I have a friend who doesn't like doing anything by herself so I told her you should challenge yourself to do something by yourself but she would also be like well you need to talk to more people you know because you want to meet people and you you, this and everything you need to be going out and and meeting people and talking to people so that's for me a discomfort you know it's that if I'm with other people and we are talking to new people that's one thing or if we're in a it depends on what the situation is but like for me to just be in a restaurant or a bar or whatever and strike a co- strike up a conversation with some random person even if it's not like I'm not trying to for it to go anywhere it's not you know right. maybe it's just okay we just have a conversation I may never see you again or maybe we can become friends I don't know um, it's been that one that's something that I think has been challenging for me and like I said I have tried doing that and sometimes it's just a matter of saying one or two things and then okay just to get out of my comfort zone and say, okay, you know, it's really not that bad. Um, but yeah, like I, your scenario, your, your, I think that would be a little bit more, um, like I said, I think that's something I could do probably more easily. You know, if it was a class setting or it was, you know, we're both at a lecture and maybe this person makes a comment and I'm like, oh, I agree with that. And that's really good. You know, that's something that you said that, made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, because we, we have a shared experience. Exactly. And it, it's not like... That makes it easier. Well, that's... So, for the longest time, I was kind of like in your situation where mm-hmm. it's like... Honestly, <laughs> I've always had the stigma that like I'm going to come off as a creep. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, that's... Uh, well, I, because I'm a guy, usually. Right, right. But I've learned that like... I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to constantly yeah. remind myself. Even like... Even today, I have mm-hmm. to remind myself I'm not. A, I'm not like a weirdo. Right, right. I'm not like this, mm-hmm. like sloven, like disgusting human being. Mm-hmm. If if I'm gonna say something that is honest mm-hmm. and and you know just it has, I, I'm not like looking for an outcome. I'm just you know like hey mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, it was a it was an interesting class. What did you think of that class, or mm-hmm. you know how was the room, or whatever. No, and, and it's not outcome derivative. It's just there it is, mm-hmm. and then if I'm not responsible for how people react right. if it comes from an honest place. Right. It took me a while to learn that. Yeah. It took me because I used to always think like, oh, well, what about this? And mm-hmm. maybe this person's gonna think this way of me, and yeah. maybe I should phrase it this way. Yeah, I think I had those hangups too. Because sometimes I think, well, what if I say something and this person thinks I'm like. I'm interested or whatever the, right. you know what I mean um, and it's not necessarily that it's just so just I, I would imagine it's kind of just the social norms are slightly different in Georgia than New York mm. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question I think mm. 
Or maybe they're not. I don't know. Maybe I mean. they're not. I don't. Maybe they're not. But people down in down in Georgia, they're always saying, "Oh, it's really hard to meet new people. It's really hard to you know to date or to whatever." Um, and I come up here, and I'm like, "Well, how's it different?" You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, there are meetups and stuff like that, and you know, yeah, there there are different things you can do and different situations. I guess like you go go to a party, or you, it's a work thing, or it's some kind of an event you go to. I don't. I don't know. I think it's probably going to be similar, no matter where you are. The the area you're in was it um, were things closed like relatively early, or they open late? Yeah, I would say they closed fairly early. I mean, I think during the week, you know, maybe something, maybe eleven o'clock, you know, midnight maybe um, on the weekends, two o'clock the latest probably. Unless you start going into Atlanta and you're going to, you know, um, like certain venues there, then they're open a little bit. How, how far were you from Atlanta? I'd say about 20 to 30 minutes, depending on what what part of Atlanta. And I, well, I started off being in like country or rural suburb, whatever you want to call it. And then eventually I moved closer in for a job. Um, and then... Just this past year, I was living in a pretty, pretty good area where it's central to to most things, including Atlanta. So. You know, one thing I've always been curious about because I, uh, you know, I always wonder like, you know, the <laughs> we all have that elemental question of people who live in New York, like, mm-hmm. oh, would you, are you gonna, how long are you gonna live here? You know, would you live somewhere else? Right. And I always wonder, like, how difficult is it to make the transition socially mm-hmm. as an adult? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, you have a venue of school, and you're going to meet people that way. Right. Um, but as adults, you know, you kind of do your own, like, you're kind of expected to kind of do your own thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, how, what was that transition like? When I first moved to Georgia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, for, for me, I think... Well, the first thing was getting a job, and I got a job um, probably within a few months of me relocating. And then back in 2010, I went back to grad school, so I met people through that. And that's right, you're a bulldog, right? You went to University yeah, of Georgia. Yeah, I went to University of Georgia, and more recently, because I was going to the gym, I actually made a lot of friends through the gym. But not, it's funny because not probably on my own. It was, <laughs> it started with one person approaching me. Um, and it, it's just funny because like at the time, like I was not interested in really like making new friends or anything like that. I mean, I was working, so I had sort of a group of people from the job and had the friends from school. Um, but when I started going to the gym, um, this one girl, she started to talk to me and I was like okay what does this girl want like why is she talking to me whatever and she was funny because she's like you know this girl, talking about me she's like she's so quiet she probably doesn't even speak English and then when I opened up my mouth she's like wow you speak better than I do and I'm like you know it was, it was, but now we, we actually became friends because of her interacting with me because I don't think I would have been the one to approach first you know so it's just interesting. Um, I think now I might be a little bit more open to actually doing that, whereas you know that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's just where I'm at in a certain place in my life, or where what kind of mood I'm in at the time, at the day, on the right. on whatever day it is, you know. 
Yeah, because like sometimes I think about like arbitrary cities that I'd be open to live in, like Seattle, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, like how like how would I adjust like socially? Right. See, it's funny because um, you were talking about well that you mentioned Seattle. I've never been to Seattle, and when I was looking for a job, I'm still looking for a job. But when I was living in Georgia, I was pretty much open to relocating, uh, and I did see a job in Seattle. I didn't apply to it because I was thinking at the time. You know, like with my family being on the East Coast, I don't want to be even further away from them. But I did think about it, and I did research it a little bit, and I was like, yeah, how, how would I feel relocating? Where would I want to go? And I thought about if I were to relocate, it would, I would want to be somewhere where I know at least one person. I didn't know anybody in Seattle. And then when I started researching about Seattle, even though they, you know, it's a cool city, everybody who's been there like, you know, seems to really like it, they were saying something about people moving there, and they call it the, the freeze or some kind of, um, like they, they don't get a warm reception, like the, the people who are new to Seattle <laughs> don't get that, that warm, you know, welcome. And like trying to build, I guess, friendships there is a little bit harder or it can be hard because people who are local there, you know, they're nice and everything, but they're really not trying to hang out with you. I mean, that's what I was reading online, and I was like, huh, how would I, how would I... How would you crack the code? Yeah, like, how would you crack, and how would I adjust? Like, would I be okay with that? Or would I be, you know, like, would I feel isolated? Like, I I wasn't sure. But it just made me think, because I was like, okay, where, where would I want to move? And especially if I've never been there before, would I... Would I even like it, you know? But I was in a place where I was like, you know what? I'm open. I'm open to... Like, even now, I mean, I'm back in New York. It doesn't mean I'm going to stay here. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. My family's here. And, you know, my home will always be here. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to travel somewhere and just be like, this is going to... Yeah, I really want to live here. Or maybe I'll get some kind of, you know, job offer where I can't reviews and it's going to lead me somewhere else. I don't, you know, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open to it, I guess. I guess that's the growth, right? Yeah. I mean, being kind of open. I think when you're open, you have there's a bigger realm of possibilities mm-hmm. rather than okay, I want this and yeah. I want this to happen. Yeah. I think the big thing for me that's changed over the years is um, ambition. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, I was very ambitious, particularly with my career, mm-hmm. but also socially. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, these are the type of people I want to be around and. You know, I had this image of who I wanted to be, yeah. and uh, none of that, a lot of that is pretty insignificant to mm-hmm. me now, yeah. um, because, you know, when you when you chase something, whether it's career mm-hmm. or financial or monetary reward, right. there's, it's, it's a tricky, okay, so I remember um, I was at... Uh, you know, I was, so I moved to L.A. I don't know if we were talking then, but I moved to L.A. And then I moved back here. And then uh, I was, like, really aggressive. I was like, you know, I'm going to, I came here, I came back here for a reason. You know, I'm gonna, it's for my career. And I was, you know, I was doing a lot of plays. I was making uh, short films. And I remember, you know, we would have screenings of my, of my films in, in, like, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I was at a, I was at a film festival for one of my shorts, and I remember getting an award. I remember somebody, like somebody from some magazine, talking to me, 
And then I just felt like, okay, this is it. This is all, like, yeah. this is pretty much what I wanted. And now that I got it. You're it, not feeling it. Well, I feel like I put so much work into this for this, mm. and I don't. Now I have to, and now it's time to think about like something else. Something it just else, yeah. it's almost like very addictive, like mm -hmm. a drug almost. And mm -hmm. I just like, geez, I don't know if this is worth it. Not not the the rinky-dink award mm -hmm. or being at this festival. It was just, I just felt like okay, well, what if I worked all this and like my film was dog shit or nobody cared about it. Mm -hmm. What I, how would I feel? Right. I mean, I guess I'd feel uh, that'd be a different kind of introspection. But I, on some small level, I got what I asked for, mm -hmm. and I feel terrible. I feel like this is stupid. Yeah. So I just, it was just very exhausting, and I started really th looking inward of like, well, what is it? Like, what's take, remove all this. Mm -hmm. What is gonna make you happy? And so I remember walking down. I was. Like in the East Village, yeah. I was like, I don't know. Uh, it's not this because mm -hmm. I'm questioning this, mm -hmm. and this is all I ever wanted. Right. I, I don't know now, and um, so it took me took me a few months, took me a few years. I was in a kind of a fog, but mm -hmm. not not a bad fog where like you know I I was freaking out or anything because it was around that time mm -hmm. that uh, Kaz and I went to Japan, mm -hmm. the, and that was my first trip, and that was perfect timing. Because I saw like a brand new culture, yeah. and you know people were so kind, and so that started opening me up of like, okay, I don't want to hit this with like a blunt object of like I have to solve this what I'm going through, and I saw you know it was it's an environment where it's so gentle and polite, right. and I th thought like that was that energy was more appealing, mm -hmm. and I know I probably can't live like that, but I can aspire to live like that. Mm -hmm. And I was on such a high, and then of course I come back here, and some fat woman is like beating up somebody, Dwayne Reed. Um, How long were you in Japan? Uh, I was there for, I don't know, maybe at least a week, maybe two okay. weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, so that was the first trip, and then two years ago, we went for Christmas, and I'm actually going back next week. Oh, nice. Uh, so, um... And so last time, like, I started getting nervous of like, oh man, you know, I, I should have should have learned Japanese by now. <laughs> then, now it's like, I don't give a fuck. Right. Like, I've met her family. They yeah. know me. Yeah. I, I don't care. I mean, I, I mean, I, yes, I would, but I, I've obviously, I, if I wanted, if I wanted it bad enough, I would have made the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't make the time, so I'm not going to cry about it. Right. Who, right. I don't want to, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I can be like, oh, I don't know, like, right. I can be like, I can quiver and cower, mm -hmm. or I could just own up to it, and it's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. look, yeah. I'm still that guy. Mm -hmm. Who cares? We're all good, right, right? right? You put anything in front of me, I'm going to eat it. Who cares? <laughs> you can come from a place of fear or come from a place of confidence. Yeah. And I look back at my life and so many things I did was just out of fear. Like, mm -hmm. I have to do this. And if I don't do this, oh, my God, my whole world's going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference of what I've learned um, is that I'm not outcome attached anymore. You know, whether it's, you know, scraping up a conversation with somebody or being stuck in traffic or yeah. or whatever anything that you, you start to like you you analyze the situation and mm -hmm. like you know it, you have to be somewhere at like three o'clock and it's 258 and it's 20 minutes away right. and it's not gonna happen right. so typically commonly your brain starts mm -hmm. to go forward of like how do I fix this right and you start to but worry. now I, I really do kind of yeah I breathe yeah and I just say like I don't know 
I don't know what's gonna happen, but I if I'm gonna like bitch and moan about it right now, these it's not gonna help. Mm -hmm. So I just I breathe. Yeah. And there's actually a trick that I've learned to like calm me down, uh, uh, like a very specific way of breathing, mm -hmm. um, and it's helped me in so many ways, like whether it's stressful situations or in good situations. Yeah. You know, um, I really see life as like. You know, we'll be, we'll, we're at the beach. And I actually use this metaphor because 4th of July, I always go home to see my mom in Virginia and mm -hmm. you know, we go to the beach. And somebody, this guy, this little kid was making this sandcastle, right? It was, it was a little kid, but it was, it was terrible, right? <laughs> and so this other person, uh, a few feet away, built this sandcastle that was so elaborate. It looked like a car. And I just thought, it doesn't matter. I mean, both, you know, one, mm -hmm. obviously you can tell the difference in quality, but it's not going to last. The water's going to take them both away. Mm -hmm. And a light bulb went on for me. So that's kind of like our lives. You know, whatever we accomplish, you know, you, uh, whatever kind of monetary reward you get, whatever promotion you get, uh, whatever fancy clothes you get, that's great. Yeah. But it's not going to last. Right. And it'll be swept away. You know, we're all just making sandcastles. Mm -hmm. And so for about two seconds, I freaked out. But then afterwards, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing that if you can understand that everything we do is temporary, yeah. you can, that's okay. It's actually great. Yeah. Like you said before, it'll pass. It'll everything pass. will pass. <laughs> well, you said something earlier where it made me think of like identity and how you, how you thought of, you know, when you were in the middle of all that like with the filmmaking and the wars and all that other stuff where you know you envisioned this is what I always wanted when you finally had it like it just whether you know you felt it wasn't enough or you was like this is it you know um, I felt for me like there was a, a time where I you know you I identified myself with okay this is my job or this is my status relationship status or this is how much money I make and when all of that went away, it's like, okay, now who am I really then? Who am I after all of that? Because at the time, I probably was identifying myself, and this is who I am. But it isn't, you know, like when you, when you go through it and you lose things, you, you realize this is not who I am, or that's not all of who I am, you know? And, you know, maybe I'm still in the process of really trying to find, a, find who it is that I truly am, but, you know, like now I'm like, okay, well doesn't really matter how much I make it doesn't really matter what my title is because I think at one point what my job title was was important I'm like oh this is this sounds great this is you know like I feel like I'm important or you something know. I could say at a cocktail party right you know it's like oh this is this might sound impressive like who cares or you know what I mean right. it's like really who cares about oh, okay great you make that much money or that's what your title is or that you know what I mean it's really I think what I'm hoping to do is just figuring out what's meaningful and you know, for me and what I can do to make make my life just more meaningful, you know, whether, I don't know what that is right now. Um, sometimes I think, there, there are times when I feel like, yeah, this is what, I think this is what I want to do, but like really trying to figure out what am I passionate about? What inspires me? Somebody asked me that um, and I didn't know how to answer the question. I don't know that I, that I have the answer now, um, but it's, how do you, how did you figure out because you said you, you know, it took you months or, you know, years of just kind of self-reflection. Yeah. Like, or, yeah, I'm still 
I'm still figuring it out. Okay. Like even now, yeah. um, you know, uh, for me, I think it's just the the discovery mm-hmm. of you know, and I always measure of like where I was, you know, five years ago, yeah. ten years ago, versus now, where I'm so much more open to learning new things and mm-hmm. discovering things about myself. So that's what excites me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am open, like I, obviously I'm not just kind of floating around, I have goals, but, but it's also, I I have the ability to, to change and shift and I'm more aware of, uh, things that I don't like, things that are acceptable to me and also my strengths, you know, and so I guess what I'm passionate about is discovering what uh, enables me to be happy. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of weird, but well, actually, this is a good segue because mm-hmm. um, you know one question that I always ask. You know, well, I actually have two questions, but one question I ask folks is um, if you had could time travel and mm-hmm. you could say, you know, twenty-one-year-old Sandra, mm-hmm. um, you know, what would you say to that person? Don't worry as much. Because it took me a long time. And like I said, I don't even know what happened in my life that I just one day stopped worrying. And I really, seriously, I was scared of everything. I was worried about everything. Like from, you know, whether it was financial or it was what, what you know, what is this person going to think of me? Am I going to be liked or whatever? You know, it, it was just like every single thing worried me for whatever reason. And... I used to be, um, I was in a relationship where he used to tell me, you worry too much. It doesn't matter. And it would kind of piss me off that he would say that because I'm like, you just don't get it, you know? But like looking back, I'm like, he was right. You know, there were so many things that we didn't have control over, but I worried about it, you know? And it really, I mean, what is it? It's just a waste of your time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of thoughts. And so me looking back, and my 21-year-old self, I would say, probably say, don't worry so much and enjoy, enjoy life more. Don't be so scared. So how have you changed in terms of... Uh, so if that person, you know, you know, when you're in a relationship, you know, you're this person and, like, you know, someone needs to, like, you know, put hands on your shoulders and mm-hmm. say, calm down, don't worry mm-hmm. so much. What are you like now? Well... Does it ever work when you tell somebody to calm down? Never. <laughs> I never. Right. It never does. So I think I, I dated a girl, and I've said this a few yeah. times on the show. I dated a girl who used to say, "You know, your problem is that." The, <laughs> I always, I always like hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that's. At the time, I think, I always, when I was with this person, I felt like my feelings were not validated. You know, it, it was it was always like, you're wrong. Like, that's how I felt. I'm not saying that that's what he meant to do, but that's how I felt was, however I felt was wrong. And, you know, maybe I, I felt like no matter what I did wasn't good enough, or I just wasn't enough in general. What was your question? <laughs> oh, like, so So how, was, how what are how, the adjustments now? The adjustments now, I think, just over the past 
really few years is learning to to know is knowing and believing that it's gonna sound, I don't know if it's gonna sound cliche it's like the whole self-love thing you know you know you gotta love yourself otherwise you can't love anyone else and you have to love yourself or else you're not gonna be able to receive that love from somebody else and you're never gonna think you're worthy because you don't think yourself as worthy so I think the shift for me was a mental thing in terms of me knowing or believing that I was good enough and uh, you know I don't know if it was a spiritual shift because I always I don't think that spirituality in, in, in me has really changed but maybe it was a mental thing it's an emotional thing where I accept the part that I played in my past and failed relationships but I also, because I, I realized that, you know, I, I allowed things to happen, you know, you know, I, we can complain and we can blame the other person, but I allowed things to happen. So, you know, whether that was I allowed somebody to make me feel a certain way, you can't really, you know, we allow ourselves to feel, make somebody feel, you know, or make us think that, oh, they're making me feel small or they're making me feel like I'm not good enough, but I'm allowing that, right? Um, you know, whether, whether, you know, they, I guess, you know, with, with, with this particular situation, you know, like I look back at that now, and even though I thought at the time I wasn't good enough and no matter what I did was good enough, I realized that that person didn't think he was good enough and he didn't love himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been taken out a whole bunch of crap on, you know what I mean? Like just putting blame on other people and and hating his life and, and all this other stuff. I think, um, yeah, so I, I guess over, over the, you know, the, over time and what's taken me a long time because like I said, I was in a long-term relationship and it took me a long time to just realize that, you know what, I don't, you know, I deserve better. I deserve somebody who, you know, like who's gonna respect me, but I have to respect myself first, right? So it, it all comes back to me of, <laughs> I love me. Yeah, you're so humble. I so, love me. <laughs> well, in the aspect of, yeah, you got to love yourself and you have to respect yourself. Not so much as, you know, it is, it, the world revolves around me. And, yeah, not quite that, but, you know. Um, Who's yeah. got two thumbs is awesome. This girl right here. Right here. Um, my final question is, okay, so now we're going to go in the time machine. We're going to go all the way back to the present day. So right now. All the things that you've gone through mm -hmm. and who you are right now. Mm -hmm. What is happiness to you now? Mm. Happiness. Mm. Happiness is, uh, I think, a lot of little things. For for me, it's it's uh, relationships. You know, friendships, family. Like just seeing my nieces. That's happiness for me. I think there's just sort of a, whether it's a self-confidence and, and the ability to, to grow. Like for me, I think what I do like, I like growth, but with growth, it comes the challenges and the pain. And I wish that weren't the case, but 
I mean, I do like, I like change now. I used to hate change. I used to fear it, you know, and I'm okay with it now because I think I've learned to sort of embrace that uncertainty, you know, to be comfortable, being uncomfortable, mm. you know. Um, so happiness, yeah, it's a lot of little things. It's, it's dance, it's music, it's animals. What kind of animals? I think I'm more of a dog person than a cat person, but I did live with a cat for the last nine months, so and we got along. He loved me. Yeah, he loved me. Uh, but yeah, I would say I'm a dog person. I do love rabbits, of course. You think you'll ever have another rabbit? Uh, I, I'll, I, I don't think so, but I, you know, never say never. Hmm. Never say never. Like right now, I feel like uh, for a long time, I had pets, and there is a great responsibility, especially with dogs, you know, just taking them out and walking them like three times a day that kind of oh, thing yeah. you're always on the clock yeah yeah so I've sort of given up that responsibility I don't know if I want to take that responsibility back you know just because there's a freedom right there's that freedom that I can just do whatever whenever I want to that's also that's also part of the happiness I think is my is a sense of freedom and flexibility and yeah not just not worrying as much as I used to I think that's awesome. Thank you. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks thank for you. taking the leap. I thought it was, did you have fun? I, I had fun. I did. I just hope I didn't bore anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, it, was, it was fun. Uh, listeners, as I always say every week, you're a part of this conversation too. You're just on the quiet side. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Bodhisattva, go out and do good in the world. Thanks. Thank you.